0: Hello everybody. Welcome back to Renar Voice. This is episode 7. As always, I will be one of your co-hosts, Robert Swatala with me, as always my co-pilot, Jeff Mazon. Jeff, how are you?
1: Hey, good morning, Robert. I like that co-pilot. We switched it yeah. from co-host to navigator, now co-pilot. I like that.
0: E- yeah, yeah. You know, you know, one of my dreams growing up was either to be a uh a, a fighter pilot or a astronaut. So, mm. I figured I'd mix that in a little bit, you know.
1: You know, you and I have that top gun thing going back and forth, so now that makes so much more sense. There you go. So it's what we were Mario and Luigi, now we are um I'm definitely Goose. And Goose. You are yeah, certainly Maverick true. and I am Goose. Yeah.
0: yeah, but you know, probably the ones with all the issues, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so did did you have any childhood dreams growing up? Like I, I know you're involved with like music and stuff like that, but was what was your big childhood dream?
1: I fell into music because I I needed a way to work while uh, in school. So that I mean okay. that's kind of you know if you could sing at all, they just threw a guitar in your hands and that was it. So I yeah, my parents were both in the navy, so I I kind of wanted to go to the naval academy and and do all of that. Um, but I wasn't a very good high school student, so. That just, yeah, that just never happened. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, maybe that's yeah, something I, mean. I need to just figure out is what is it that I wanted as a child? Yeah, probably.
0: And again, we, we <laughs> seem to crack these little <laughs> eggs open and just we're going to have to have a session one of these times. And, you know, for me, it was just literally I had to get contacts. And so that that just was the end of my fighter pilot days because I didn't have 20-20 vision.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Dang, well, nice. You know,
0: it all worked out in the end. Yeah. Hey, hey, what can we say? Well, Jeff, here we are on Episode 7. Uh, we're cruising right along. It's been a it's been a fun journey. Uh, I'm excited about today and our guests. Could you introduce who we have today?
1: Yeah, we're really honored today to have uh, a professor and counselor who is a Liberty graduate, uh, but is now teaching at a state school in upstate New York. And he was part of the same cohort as um, Dr. Kirk, our, our chapter our faculty advisor, and Dr. Mike Takis, who we had on a couple weeks ago. So we're really happy today to have Dr. John Harry Chen. Dr. Harry Chen is a Canadian of Chinese and East Indian ancestry who was born and raised in Guyana, South America. He is a licensed professional counselor, an approved clinical supervisor, and an assistant professor of counselor education at the State University of New York at Brockport. He earned his PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision at Liberty University, holds a Master of Arts in Counseling from Providence Theological Seminary, and an Honors Bachelor of Science in Psychology and Integrated Biology from the University of Toronto at Scarborough. He has over eight years of clinical experience working in community mental health and college university counseling settings, and recently worked as a New York State Practum Supervisor, supervising mental health interns, volunteering on the New York Emotional support helpline during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Hei Chand is engaged in program review, advocacy, mentorship, teaching, and research. He frequently presents at local, state, regional, and national conferences in the areas of counselor professional advocacy, ethical practice, spirituality, multicultural counseling, and counselor wellness. He publishes in the areas of counselor education, leadership and burnout, and gatekeeping and remediation practices for new faculty. LGBTQ issues and counseling, professional and social justice advocacy, specifically for immigrant and refugee populations and international counseling students, both in education and retention. Now, and, and this is why we are we having Dr. Harry Chen aboard. So just bear with me as I, as I continue to share about our guests because this is really special. Uh, Dr. John Harry Chen is actively involved in professional service at the national, regional and state levels. He serves the American Counseling Association, completing a three-year term as co-chair of the Professional Standards Committee, Chi Sigma Iota International Counseling Honor Society as chair of the Leadership and Professional Advocacy Committee, the Association for Spiritual, Ethical, Religious Values and Counseling as co-chair on the Ethical Values Committee, excuse me, and the Association for Multicultural Counseling and Development as secretary, the National Board for Certified Counselors Foundation as a doctoral student mentor for the Minority Fellowship Program, the incoming newsletter co-editor for the North Atlantic Region Association for Counselor Education and Supervision and ACA of New York as the 2021 president-elect. Dr. Harrison was a 2017 Association for Counselor Education and Supervision Emerging Leader. He was 2018 to 2019 Counselor Education and Supervision Editorial Fellow and was the Southern ACES Emerging Leader. So all that being said, Dr. John Harrison, we are pumped to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you both for having me. Thank you. And like I said, I mean that we, we love to have these blurbs and that and that one was long and it needed to be because we wanted to have you aboard because as Robert and I, you know, students in this program at Liberty of like 7,000 students, the thing that is most often discussed on the discussion boards is how do I meet more professionals? How do I how do I network? How do I find a practicum site? I have no experience in any of this. This is all so large. So having you aboard with with your history, where you come from, and, and what you've accomplished, and, and all the things that you're involved in, uh, we're just really excited to have you.
2: I, I appreciate that. Um, and I, I'm excited to be able to share the little bit of, um, I would say, a little bit of wisdom that I have amassed over the time <laughs> in the profession. Sure.
0: <laughs> Yeah, I would say it's probably a little bit more than than a little. Um, probably quite a deal with all that that re- that type of resume. So again, welcome, uh, Dr. Harritian, um That's quite a story, really. Um, and I know there's probably a lot more uh, details, a lot more paths that that you had to encounter and choose as you as you walk that journey. Could you just share with our members a little bit about yourself, that journey, your history with Liberty? and really why or how you got into the profession in general.
2: Yeah, um, so um, to start, I have to probably take you back to uh, Guyana, South America. That's where life began for me. I was born there um, to parents who are both, who were both in ministry. My dad it was a. Pastor, Um, he has since passed away. He passed away actually in 2018 whilst I was preparing to defend my dissertation, which was in and of itself um, an ordeal. Um, But but I would say moving from Guyana, knowing where, knowing uh, the life, way of life there, Um, Then moving to Toronto, Canada, where I completed part of uh, high school and then did my undergrad um, in biology and psychology, the hope was to enter into medicine. And I actually went to the, an open house for the University of Toronto, their med school, and to kind of like get a feel as to what this was like, med school was like. And I entered there and I left there at the end of the day saying, this is not for me. Um, that I, uh, and I, So I kind of like channeled more of my energy in psychology. Um, and, and part of that process was knowing that it, it, when I finished my undergrad in psych, I had applied to, to the University of Toronto to do a master's in clinical psychology, but because of the, I, I, I wanna say, I, I was gonna say poor student, but, but I don't know if that's the right word to use. <laughs> um, but at some level, I, I really was not a, a very good academic uh, growing coming through my undergrad. And that really did hamper my, my GPA. Through my first sem- my co- college years, but but thankfully I was accepted into uh to co- to go to seminary and and I was I kept telling my dad this that um this is in no way setting me up to be a pastor like you were um uh, so so <laughs> uh, I was pretty adamant about that because I knew the pressures of being a a, a a pastor or a minister so but but that led me from there into. Liberty, because he, the connection was that when, when he was completing his um, studies to become a pastor in Toronto, one of his professors actually um, was leaving had, uh, when he was graduating, he left to move to Liberty because Liberty had just started, you know, and he was going to be teaching in their, um, I think it was pastoral ministry or Masters of Divinity program, and he told my dad that rather than stop here why don't you just come over to liberty and continue on doing a master's degree and my dad is like in no way shape or form am i continuing in school i need to go start a family and i need to start ministry work so he left toronto and went back into guyana where that happened so he knew in and of itself that i had wanted to do doctoral work at some point in time um and he he would get brochures from liberty and he's like john there is a counseling doc program at liberty uh why don't you give it a shot and try to apply and i'm like i have no idea what liberty what what liberty is where it is any of that kind of information um but but because of his own declining health um and if part of my, my cultural background of being very much um traditional in terms of honoring um my elders, and him, him being my dad, that was a huge motivator that got, got me into to kind of fulfilling that sort of a dream for him that he didn't get to complete, but I was able to um, complete through Liberty. So, so kind of like that was my trajectory into that space itself. And here we are now, um, what, three years post-graduation almost, and a lot to be thankful for.
1: So if we're following your story, you're an immigrant to Canada, Correct. who then moved to Lynchburg to attend a CES program that at that time was not Cake rep accredited. Correct. You then network yourself all the way to a state university professorship while being a foreign worker. Now you're the ACA New York president-elect. You have all these leadership positions and all these different organizations that are at the top of our profession, uh, Task force, everything, and uh, you're pretty... Prominent in Kai Sigma Iota, not only at the international level, but you're also the CFA of your chapter at SUNY Brockport. I mean, how, how did you pull all this off? Wow, <laughs> you know everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, so so, so kind of, I think a part of that really does go back to me being a foreign worker in the U.S., right? So... And that, I guess, at that point, being an international student, I had to ask myself, how am I going to stand out in a body of so many? counseling students that are coming through our pipeline. Um, not that it's we, we need them because as we know the mental health impact in our world and the declining levels of mental health, we need these individuals to serve in some capacity. My, my role now is was to think of how am I going to leave some sort of a lasting impression, um, which is kind of fitting. I, I wasn't intending to say this, but my my word for the year is legacy right and 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 for me it's how do i create a lasting legacy that honors god that honors my family and is true to who i am right so so those are things that that continue to to guide my now Right, and guide me into the future. So, so I think a huge motivator was um, I need to potentially, first of all, land a job after I graduated. And I'm like, how am I supposed to do that? Uh, knowing that there are a number of doc programs across the US that, and, and our program being a new k Crep program. You know, as to who's gonna wanna hire these new, these new folks from a K-REP institution that has no history of doc students before right to go off of um, and I think that in and of itself motivated me to get involved in we call it professional service all right so um, and I think that started first of all through um, there. there's something called through the Virginia Counseling Association an emerging leaders program and um, I knew that it came across uh, my email chain that they were looking for applicants for that program, uh, and I'm not sure. I think it was maybe 2016, but I might be wrong on the date for that. But but I saw that, and I was like, no, maybe I should do this. And I think that the 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 initial impetus is to say, no, you're not going to qualify, you know, or don't do this. you not, you know. So so there was this immediate sort of discouraging voice in my head, um, but. I think putting pushing through that negativity is to say I'll. I'll it's it's better to try than to not try at all, right? Um, and thankfully having, I think another big thing is having really supportive um, mentors in our life um, and, and peers. So my some major players in my life that continue to have a role would be um, Dr. Lisa Sassen who is the program director for our DOC program. Um, and she, I have worked closely with her over my time there because i was her graduate assistant um during my time at liberty and i reached out to her and she said absolutely john i would i would love to write a letter for you and since that day she's continued to, she continues to write letters of recommendation for me uh, so i'm very thankful so shout out to her i think the other big, big person in my life too has been dr uh, joy Mwendwa. you know so she she was the one of our faculty advisors when we initiated um, CSI at, at Roetta at Liberty, and they both really did pour into me, and they continue to do so. So, writing those recommend that recommendation letter and then attending that first emerging leader program, and from that day onwards, um, just stepping into a space having people who. And, and I'll probably speak about this a little later, uh, of having people who might kind of second guess as to what it is that we might, might I might bring to the table, right? A level of experience, level of insight, all, all those things. Um, but also coming from a Christian institution, because that in and of itself is something that, um, if you haven't experienced that in and of yourself, that's something that um, will come with the ter- territory of attending a faith-based institution, especially a prominent institution as Liberty, you know? And and so moving in that space and just coming into now, it's a saying that um, me showing up, you know, a a huge, I would say 50% is about me showing up to the table, being willing to um, move past my own insecurity, my own fear um, and anxieties uh, uh, of what others might think about if I'm qualified enough and whatnot. and. Knowing that I've, I'm doing this, not for necessarily, at some level, yes, it's for me, but for, uh, there's a bigger uh, reason behind that is to, there is a this demystifying of what. Um, or Liberty program might be about at one level. Um, There is also a demystifying of what preconceived assumptions people might have about who I am and where I stand and and whatnot. Um, But then also just to the voices of the minoritized I I refer to as those who are disadvantaged, disenfranchised at some level, um, specifically immigrant populations, specifically our international student populations, um, where my research centers I, having a platform, I, it is my responsibility to be able to be doing these, the, bringing attention to these populations. And so that, those reasons trump my own personal um, anxieties to tell me that there's work to be done, I've been giving a responsibility and I need to fulfill that.
0: Yeah, Dr. Harrington. Um I don't know if you knew this, but Dr. Mwenda did our initiation, he, she was our keynote speaker and she actually um referenced you as in her in her keynote address. Um so you got a shout out in return from her and it was she used your story really as as to show the the benefits of of not just being part of CSI but participation, and serving in that. And so I uh, just wanted to share that with you. But my question, you kind of hit on it right there at the end. And I, I was just wondering how much of cultural influence plays into your history. Uh, and you kind of said about, you know, the the fighting for the immigrant or the minority. Um, obviously, you you felt that coming from uh, Guy, Guy, Yeah, it's Guyana, is, right, right right. Guyana, right, right, right. So can you can you comment on that? And, and just how much that's influenced where you are today?
2: I, I would say significantly. Um, it continues to, um, I remember moving into, from Guyana to Toronto and, um, I attended my, the institution that I attended for high school was a pretty diverse place, I would say. Um, but moving from, even within that space, I, I I noticed that a lot, there was still a lot of, I would say, segregation in that space. So there are like pods, right? So like the Indian students would be together, the white students would be together, the Chinese students will be together. Um, and, and, and that was kind of really new to me prior to being in Guyana because it's like, it's just, um, people would just interact usually there. Um, and so that was something like a, almost a culture shock of getting used to that sort of mentality. And I said, like, why is this? How is this playing out? Um, but then um, that continued on, I would say, into my master's program um, where I was in a really predominantly um, white space. You know, um, there were a lot of international students that came into the seminary, but um, they too, I think they became a, an entity into themselves, as to um, staying together. And, and I was like, how do we provide support to these communities? Um, we like the those who are Canadian, I would say, right? So th- we know the system, we've been here, we've been um, in some way we've benefited from it and here we have these international students coming into the space they 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 don't have the language they don't have the community and what are we then doing to sort of um provide space for them to, to feel like they do belong and i think that those are things that really kind of resonated with me that kind of um continue to direct or inform my research you know so um absolutely i would say a significant portion of where i where where i come from um continues to inform what i do dr Harrington,
1: you know just looking at at, you know all that you've done and your research and just all that you've accomplished and and i don't mean to just like highlight you and talk about how great you are i mean you are wonderful but (laughs) uh more like just for the sake of our listeners um it seems like a lot of open doors have come your way but then other times you've needed to kind of put your foot in the door and push that door open as well for whatever reason um i'm just kind of curious if you could share and i I know we didn't necessarily prepare for this but you know as the standard student going through an online program you know you could just do your studies but i don't know if you know that may be necessary to get into the profession but i don't know if it's sufficient to really enter in um and if you are an online student and you're not meeting professors and you're not meeting other students, it can be very isolating and you might not have a lot of entryways into the wider profession, which would then open opportunities for service, for jobs, for additional training. So, just, just curious, you know, your thoughts on that through your own experience and mentoring other students.
2: Yeah, um, I think you raised an excellent point. Um, so, just to caveat my, my statement, I, even though Liberty's their dot program is a hi, kind of like a hybrid program, I chose to physically move from Toronto to Lynchburg because I knew that I was not a good online student. Um, uh, and it would not have worked if I had stayed remain an online student. Um, so that was a huge sacrifice in and of itself for me doing that. But, um, For the students who are doing their programs, completing their programs online, I think this is where I would go back to the value of CSI, right? Here we have an an environment, a platform where you can build community. And if you're thinking that, yes, it's great that I'm just earning an education, um, which is good in the fact that you're gonna then hopefully um, be a service to people, but then our profession is bigger than just the counseling that you do on a day-to-day level, right? Our profession involves things that happen systemically. Our profession involves so much that we do from a legislative perspective that we don't necessarily think of, and I don't think, I also, um, not to throw shade on any programs or whatnot but it's like some programs don't necessarily uh highlight that you know the legislative aspect of, of our of the work that we are we should be involved in um or even the service aspect like what we're currently discussing right now a lot of it is really just the educational piece and and, and i think that's we go into the profession we're like oh there's so much more but i don't know where to start or what to do Um, and I think really the, the value of CSI is that it creates a space. We have committees that people can get involved in. Um, and and I think that the fact of even having the leadership within a chapter be intentional in creating activities to then open up the opportunity for diverse voices from students, wherever they might be across the, uh, across the U.S., let's say, um, becoming part of that that place and then sharing their um um, sharing their views as to what's going on keeping people up to date and I think the, the the beauty of it is that once a student graduates from a program they can still remain an alum for CS um within CSI and I think if if programs are really intentional in keeping those uh those their graduates connected to their chapter that in and of itself creates a pipeline where students who are coming in now get to create to engage in professional service right but then at the same time they're connected to this larger system of graduates who might have navigated the space of trying to figure out where am I supposed to be um, looking for internship sites right um the, the beauty of your program at Liberty is the fact that you have it's an open program across the U.S. so you have people in pockets all across the U.S. but how much are people tapping into those folks? Right. Um, and I think that's where the probably the disconnect could potentially be. But I'm saying it creates the CSI in and of itself. This your chapter creates a space where this could where these people could interact with each other right and they, you, there could be some sort of a repository in and of itself where you're keeping track of hey these are the graduates that came through our program these are where they probably reside right now here are students coming through i'm um, living in the state I'm um, who are graduates from the program that were in that state might they know of people could i reach out to them or whatnot so there's the, i think that in and of itself is an immediate answer, I would say, you know, to, to a problem of networking or being connected. But again, if students are not taking that initiative to say, let me get involved in CSI, then they're just going to come through a program and hit that wall at a practicum or clinic when they get to their clinical and saying what now? You're right, as opposed to those who've been intentional in forming the connections throughout the program, um, being in those these um, spaces, like within our chapters or within leadership at, at different levels um, to say, OK, I have created for myself a network that I can then reach out to. And, and I think the, the, the thing that people don't realize is how small our profession actually is. Right, we someone you know knows someone else at some level, and word gets around, right? So, and and you probably have both been been witness to that in and of itself, but it happens, and, and you'll you'll be you'll be surprised. But again, if you if you didn't take the time to invest in you in building, I guess again going back to this term of legacy, if people if you haven't intentionally built that, or we I think Dr. Menwa calls it branding. Right. If you have not created a brand for yourself, how is it that people are going to then take notice of that and say, oh, I remember that person. They were involved in that committee through whatever, you know, or they like for both of you, you've been involved in this podcast through your chapter that has that has been um, reaching out to so many other people. So so I think that in and of itself really does speak to the value of and being engaged in professional service beyond just. Going through a program and gaining um, a degree, and yeah, Dr. Harrington,
0: um, I think what we're, we're really summarizing this up is just general networking, and 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 that's really what it boils down to. And and you certainly have have done a successful job at networking, um, and and maybe we have some students and some listeners out there that maybe not have had that level of experience, or maybe there's a fear uh, for for various reasons. What could you tell our listeners in terms of uh, uh, just a couple bullet points to, to start having that courage or that ability to network and, and start growing those contacts and those lists? Like what are some some of that low-lying fruit that you can you can point out to?
2: Um, you are all you all have access to a number of excellent faculty, right? I think beginning there. You've had some of them in cl- for class already. Thinking about, as you're taking courses with a, a professor, asking yourself, is this someone that I think that has similar research interests with me? Or similar, What it might not be research itself, but maybe they might be working with the population that I'm interested in, right? And, and asking myself, now, now that I've learned about them through academically, could I get to know them a little bit more prof- uh, on a professional side outside of the academy, right? And saying, what am I going to do? Uh, we, we often say students have we have office hours usually, right? Uh, I would say usually. I don't know. Hopefully, all all faculty have office hours. Um, but but how, how many students actually take that time to say they might not have something that is. Um, regarding assignment related that they need to go to that professor for but reaching out during that time of saying you know hey there's something that that i'm that i've been wondering about Uh, i'm looking at this population uh working with this population i remember you probably connected about some area of that pot working with that population can you share some insight with me maybe where could i continue finding more resources um maybe even asking them to present w- at a local conference or you know or a state conference you, there there are multiple opportunities um i don't know i i would I, I would say part of of us be moving through as faculty from let's say an assistant professor to an associate professor to a full professor. Part of that that journey involves us being involved in mentoring students right and yes there's some students that probably really might be academically re- at the top of a class and they might e- be easier to reach out to as a for a faculty to reach out to and say hey come join me on something but if you might be saying to yourself i have a full-time job i have responsibilities to family i have other commitments that i'm part of in addition to being a student then i might not be having like that a grade for each of the classes that I have, but I'm still desirous of learning, still desire, desirous of getting to know my faculty and moving beyond just being an academic within the field. And I think those are where, ways that you then engage your professors through email, like as, sending an email to them, asking them to connect through office hours time. Um, I think even at the end of the day, you might, they, some of them might say no, you know, or they're not able to or not. Don't let that one closed door of a no deter you or say, oh, I'm gonna give up, you know. There are people out there who are open to doing this, this kind of work. Um, and it's important work because if if I, I look at it for myself as to, if I could instill a attitude or um, an identity where um that, I look at it as a mentee, I'm pouring into that individual and saying to them, you matter, right? And if I could show them that they matter and their voice matters and the work that they're gonna do or they're currently doing is gonna impact not just within within their life or their own circle, but within the the community, their clients' lives and whatnot, then I'm hopefully then instilling in them this desire that in each client that they then would meet, they see that person as valuable. They see that person as, now here I'm going to pour into you at some level that in a similar way that I've been poured into, you know? And it just continues that cycle of, uh, and that's, I think, a good model of what mentorship should be, right? So So don't be discouraged by the, the the no's and sometimes the no's are, some, are sometimes a good way of saying that person it's a good thing that they didn't they might have said not been able to take you on and even if they did take you on they might not have been able to give you the time that you need you know, so so making sure that it is a, a fit where you you are valued and and I'm saying to someone, if you know that that person isn't meeting the your your need as a student in terms of building you up in the way that you should be, then it's it's to say that I, I need to probably cut ties with this person and find me someone else, you know, um, don't be don't settle for oh, I got this one person. They re- I really get to meet them maybe once every two months or something like that, and I know I need more. And I'm not going to do anything or I'm not making that that um, need available or known to that individual, you know, so those are kind of things that I think that are really crucial and, and easy to do right now. And I think the other thing too, each organization within our uh, or profession, whether it be at the state level, at the at the local level, at the national level, there are usually multiple opportunities. They're always you, I would say, always looking for people to get involved. You know, and, and students don't think about that, but uh, but trust me, being involved, I can tell you that we, there's no because there's usually turnover, right? After a, a certain period of time, you're gonna I'm gonna leave at, at my position at, at one one or or maybe all the positions that I have and do something else. Um, and there's gonna be a need for, for someone to fill those roles, you know? And so, so reaching out to the leadership and saying, hey, I'm a student um, and I'm interested in getting involved in professional service, how could I be of assistance or help? And where where do you need me? you know and, and and those those initial encounters could open the doors to so many people who are then like in capacities who are really well networked to say now i've created a myself a, a position for me in this organization i now know someone on the inside now when i'm ready to start looking for internship i might go to that person and say you know i'm in that state of finding a site i know you're connected can you tell me if you know of anything or do you can you direct me to someone who or someone else who who does you know and and we don't think those it's like almost using uh being localized in our intention but then also but then using our intentionality from that local space to think more globally as we continue to progress through the profession you know um so i think those are kind of like really i would say they're i I was gonna say easy they're not easy They, they they require work right but they're produce benefits if we are intentional in following through on them. And don't just say one email and I don't get someone and I'm, oh, I'm going to give up. Send them another email. If, you, if there's a phone number, I would say reach out by phone and, and leave a, a, a nice voice message just saying you, you, this is someone that I'm really interested in. I would love to get to, to connect with you to work on something. Um, the worst is that they they never respond, you know, it's, you know, which, which in and of itself is not very professional, you know, for uh, for a profession where, where relationships matter. But, um, yeah, if, if that's the worst, then I would say just be calling and emailing as many, you know, not, not, not as many people, but be intentional and targeted in how you do that, you know, so that you are getting responses from people who you feel would benefit you and your trajectory as you move into the field this needs to be like a textbook that's part of our k-crap
1: program i mean seriously i mean it's it's exactly it i mean robert and i the only reason we are here where we are now is is because you know we we made that contact i mean we're nothing special i mean robert you are well i was gonna say Jeff. (laughs) You know, but even, even with you, Dr. Harrison. I mean, it was just Dr. Kirk one day said, you should email this guy. He's a friend of mine. I was in school with him, you know, and, and, and you and I have been able to interact a little bit through the virtual in New York things. And, and now here we are. But I mean, I think that's a really important point for us as students is to realize that you all as counselor educators and supervisors, like, like you said, in the beginning of, of our time together, legacy, like you're looking to leave a legacy. Uh, and that's something that Dr. King, Dr. John King, one of our other chapter faculty advisors, that's that's his goal. He, he's made that very clear. I want to leave behind me a legacy of servant leaders who are committed, you know, to the other person uh, and, and to doing this job excellently and 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 well. Uh, and and I, I think that's it. And and I think we as students, you know, I know professors have the imposter syndrome too, but we as, certainly as students can suffer with that. And then. Multiply that with fears of rejection or fears of bothering professors because we just imagine how busy you are and I don't want to bother them. And so it seems like there's a bit of a tenacity uh, that that needs to be practiced.
2: and, you know, kind of fake it till you make it almost, <laughs> like just, just I, I, would, I, I would also say even you know, you, if you're sensitive to the fact that a faculty might be really busy in your in your introduction or in your email, in your phone call make that known you know, I know you're probably really busy, that's an acknowledgement to what their, their current situation is, and, and it kind of like makes that in the faculty or whatever, whoever, might them pause and think, you know what, this person Knows the 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 work that I'm doing, but they're still able, willing to kind of like put themselves out there. And I'm gonna say, I I didn't just arrive. There have been multiple rejections that I've had along the way, and I think that I'm gonna continue to get closed doors and rejections in that space. And the imposter syndrome is absolutely alive, and the force is well, uh, the imposter syndrome force is strong in me. I could I could assure you of that. You know. Um, But greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world, you know? So I think that in and of itself um, is something that I kind of take refuge in and um, use to ground me as I continue to move through and hopefully do some good in the world, you know, as I continue on. This is our first guest who made a Star Wars reference, Robert. I just I want to point that out. I was just going to say that, you, Dr.
0: Harrington, you, you made Jeff's day with that blown. So, yep, yep. You, you, his day is
2: complete now. <laughs> I've been watching The Mandalorian. Yes. <laughs> That's where that came from. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: that is so good. Um, and, and it's such a such a big topic. It says that we could probably, you know, talk about quite some time. Uh, unfortunately, we are we are getting close to wrapping up, but I just wanted to say thank you for, for just all your service, first of all, but also just taking the time to come in and, and just chat with us and investing in us and, and our listeners and um, just sharing wisdom. Uh, we greatly appreciate it and, and really enjoyed having you on and hope we can maybe have you on again sometime in the future.
2: Thank you, thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, again, I, I am pretty, very much impressed with the work that you both are doing. So continue to do this good work um, and hopefully other people, uh, other students are seeing and taking note and are um, willing to step up as well, you know, and to continue to, to be um, good servant leaders because we, we need them in our profession. Dr. Harry Chin, I joked uh, in our last episode that
1: um, I, I have your CV, which is from 2019, I think it's like 27 pages long. And I use that more often than I use the APA 7 manual, because if I need to know how to cite something, I just look at your CV.
2: It's all there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that it might be it might be outdated. I don't know. I probably need to like update that. Yeah.
1: It's more, it's, it's a better resource for me, you know, like if I want to figure out, I mean, there, if there's a standard CV uh, method, it should just be yours. You know, I think HDA needs to adopt that. I mean, it's fantastic. So
2: anyway, thanks again. Fine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very
0: much for having me. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks again, Jeff. uh, Would you mind sharing with us
1: about upcoming guests that we might be having on here in the future? Right. So where are we? We are late, mid-January here. So our next guest is actually a doc student in our chapter, uh, Jody Vernum, and she's the newsletter editor for our chapter. But um, she's going to come on because she's a school counselor with many years of experience, and we want to just kind of continue where Dr. Mitchell had left off uh, with those school counseling issues. Uh, so we're we're really happy to have her excited, and she's she's such a great great resource uh, in our chapter. So we look forward to spending some time with her. Um, so that'll be coming up uh, toward the end of the month, I believe, and then into February, our next special feature guest will be Dr. Julia Sedusky, who worked with Dr. Mar Yarhouse on their book Emerging Gender Identities. Uh, so we're really excited about that to get into it uh, with her. Uh, She's a a region grad. She's a clinical psychologist working out in in Denver right now. Um, So that's what's next on the books. Great, great. Thank you. Stay
0: tuned. We got a lot uh, in planned and in store for future episodes. So make sure you check us out on any of the podcast platforms, iTunes, Google, Podbeam, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, just check us out. If you like us, subscribe. That way you get all the, the new episodes that come out uh, when we publish them. So, Dr. Chan, thank you again for being here. I want to thank everybody for listening. Jeff, thank you for hanging in there with me as always, and I hope everybody has a wonderful day.